Hello everyone and welcome back to the Sustainable Business Covered podcast. I get, I think this is quite good, I get real kind of E17 vibes from it. Do you not? No. No? Oh, it okay. It sounds like I'm in a spa. Well, it's quite relaxing. I mean, I mean, it turns out, you know, it's royalty-free Christmas songs there. I spent, I spent more time than I probably should have this morning trying to find trying a to decent find. one. Yeah. Um, I, hopefully, it still puts you into the Christmas spirit, though. Um, anyway, let's turn that off. Actually, it's terrible, isn't it? <laughs> anyway, I'm Edie's content editor, uh, Matt Mace, and Merry Christmas, one and all. I mean, it's not actually Christmas. Uh, if you're listening as soon as it's gone live, it's Friday the thirteenth. But this is actually Thursday the twelfth. Um, we but it goes, one. yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it goes live on the thirteenth, and I think the fact that it goes live on Friday the thirteenth is a pretty ominous sign for the general election <laughs> result. Um, yep, yeah, dear listener, you've either woken up in some sort of Etonian dystopia where Tiny Tim's other leg has been sold off along with the rest of the NHS to fund our Prime Minister's new Winter Wonderland, which is otherwise recognised as the aptly named Smeg Fridge. Other brands of fridge are available. Or you've woken up to a hung parliament, which, let's be honest, just adds an extra layer of confusion and on and uncertainty on top of this big old panatony of broken politics. Right, okay, that's it, that's it. Just needed to get off my chest. Uh, I needed to get into the Christmas spirit, and I thought if we just got the election done there, that's it. Um, and I promise not to mention the, those two words anymore on today's episode. Uh, the same may not re- ring true, however, for my two colleagues, um, <laughs> Sarah George and oh, this can't be right, James Everson. I had <laughs> to double double check the script there, but our insight editor James is actually joining us today. Um, an early Christmas miracle, a, a ghost of Christmas past, whichever one you prefer to be, yeah. James. Uh, how how are you both? Yeah, I'm really good, thanks. Yeah, it's good to be back on the podcast again after about six months. Um, so yeah, I'm good, feeling good, ready for Christmas. Um, busy year for Insight, as both of you know, and hopefully all the listeners know as well. So uh, yeah, it's all good. Brilliant. And Sarah? I'm also pretty ready for Christmas, like James. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to lie, I'm completely in, in the Christmas Was it Was it spirit. the royalty-free Christmas music that did that? I think it's more the fact that sort of cops coming to the close <laughs> yeah. and our office has Christmas decorations up on it and all the award shortlists are sort of coming out or being finalised and mm. there's just that mm. sense of things maybe starting to wind down for the year but then I think about how much green policy I'll have to think about next week and I know that's not the case. Yeah, very very glad that Monday's my, my last day this year. Good old leftover annual leave. Um, okay, great. So we are, I'm trying to think of a Christmas analogy. Three wise men that, three French hens. Three French hens. I feel that's yeah. better. I feel that that's a better fit for us. Um, we would be four calling birds. Um, but unfortunately our content director, Luke Nichols, isn't here. I did message him and I said, look, do you want to make your triumphant return to Christmas? We all know how he loves the spotlight. <laughs> Do you want to make your triumphant return for this episode? And he sent me a message and, and it just reads this. Um, if I could work my will, every idiot who goes about with Merry Christmas on his lips should be boiled with his own pudding and buried with a stake of holly through his heart. He should, you know, disclosure, that's Charles Dickens um, and not Luke, in case <laughs> yeah. anyone was actually worried he turned murderous there. <laughs> um, on the subject of four, though, we do have four exclusive interviews uh, and they're all loosely focused on... But I actually think they're actually quite strongly focused on Christmas for once this year. Yeah. Um, and they're going to be focusing on two areas which are very prominent around Christmas, which is obviously deliveries and just purchasing of gifts and food and the subsequent waste. Although I eat so much food, I don't actually think I waste any over Christmas. Um, 
Speaking of which, oh. you'll see, Sarah and James, that I have delivered some food oh, to the table. Amazing. It looks so nice, doesn't it? <laughs> Um, mince pies for us to enjoy. Uh, I was going to buy some crackers, um, but the supermarket, I'm not going to name the supermarket, I looked at every every kind of box of crackers they had, and every single one was imported from China, which sounds That's, crazy to me, that, that crackers would be imported from China. Um, yeah, uh, why? 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 I mean, yeah. I suppose it's one trade deal we don't have to worry about. It's crackers. We've we got that lined up. That's, that's, that's safe. Um, right, okay. Anyway, let's let's uh, let's do the first interview. Let's get that right out of the gates because uh, we've got four um, all around ten to fifteen minutes long, so we've got a lot to get through. Um, so, question to both of you two then, uh, and without actually spoiling what you've already purchased your loved ones for Christmas, because if they listen, it's going to ruin that whole surprise. Um, uh, or in my case, just people that would tolerate me, I have to buy them gifts. Uh, do you consider sustainability? when you're purchasing presents or do you go into that kind of proper kind of Christmas tradition of like let's just get as much stuff under that Christmas tree uh, as possible uh, Sarah I, I think I know your answer already so we'll start with you you're looking at me and I just look completely <laughs> like how can you not be taking this seriously anyone who's listened to this before um, knows that I'm a big advocate of slow fashion um, in particular so for me it's about following Vivian Westwood um, who famously said buy less choose well um, and make it last and that choosing well doesn't necessarily mean that you need to buy a designer item over a smaller item it just means picking something that the person receiving will hopefully mm. love and use as it's it's meant to be used and at Christmas a, a caveat anyone who's listening and thinking of buying a toy that makes noise for a kid that's not yours <laughs> I, I would not condone that at all. <laughs> that would be my, my message. Well. James, I imagine it's a, it's a, a little yeah. bit hard for you with, with, with kids. Well, it makes, yeah. makes yeah. emphasis on where's so all our presents, Dad? Is that... <laughs> <laughs> so it's a really interesting question. It's a big challenge, as I'm sure a lot of the listeners out there who, who do have children appreciate trying to get sustainable uh, Christmas presents for kids is is you know, probably still a significant growth area. I'm imagining <laughs> that like a twig wouldn't wouldn't cut it. Or yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, it was something I did used to have. You know, find find really difficult. Um, I'll admit, this Christmas there's going to be a lot of plastic under my tree. Uh, the good thing is, is all of those items will be at some point recycled. Uh, as my kids have got older, we've taken them to charity shops and you know other family friends, uh, my, you know, my my nephews. And I think that that's really, really important is that it's not necessarily buying the thing and thinking, God, you know, that, that's used a lot of oil to make that product. <laughs> it's, it's the fact that actually you can create circularity through, through giving them to, to other people. And uh, that's definitely made me feel less guilty about the amount of plastic that will be under my tree. But there will still be bin bags full of, uh, <laughs> of paper wrapping and uh, there's so much uh, packaging that it's, it's unbelievable, which... Uh, is still a big issue uh, in, in, in the Everson household. Um, and it would be nice to start seeing some of the big toy manufacturers really address that. Uh, doesn't seem to have been addressed at all. You know, when I look across the ED website, I see lots of stories from, uh, from Matt and Sarah on, on you know, food and drink manufacturers and 
and we're not really addressing circularity. I don't see it so much from the toy manufacturers, and it'd be really, really good for them to start start doing that. That's that's how I see it. Yeah, I think there's a few early steps. I think Lego and Hasbro have got take back schemes, but that's still mm-hmm. that's still just encouraging the purchasing of stuff, isn't it? Yes. But, but yeah. the reason I asked that is I I stumbled across a company in my inbox that I had never heard of before. Um, <laughs> It's an e-commerce platform, and it's drastically different from any e-commerce platform I've ever seen. Granted, I didn't really do much looking around. Um, I tried to avoid, you can't avoid e-commerce in that sense, but I tried to as much mm. as possible. Um, <laughs> but yeah, this, this company was, was, was just seemed like something different. Um, and for Christmas, I think it's perfect, because it's one that's focusing on, on gifts, but the gifts of stories rather than stuff. And mm. joining me now is Alex Gibb, the co-founder at Tingly. Um, Alex, thank you very much for joining me today. Um, and as I was just saying before we started this chat, Tingly wasn't an organisation that I had actually come across before um, until the, uh, a rather interesting email landed in my inbox. So I think a good place to, to start is, um, is is just introducing yourself and, and basically what, what Tingly is and what it's trying to achieve. Sure, thanks, Matt. That's, uh, that makes, makes sense as a, as a starting point. So... Uh, for me personally, um, I've been working with sustainability or sustainable development for, for over 20 years. Uh, I've got a bit of an unusual background in that I worked in the, uh, the NGO sector for 10 years, running an NGO. I worked in the public sector uh, at the European Parliament and then also in the private sector, uh, supporting and uh, co-founding Tingly and other, other companies that really have sustainability uh, and resilience at the, at the heart of them. Uh, so, so Tingly, uh, essentially, we, we created the, the company almost five years ago now, and our, the essence there was actually to change the culture of gifting. So how can we get people away from buying and gifting stuff, and how can we get them to gift experiences? So, so Tingly is a global gift solution platform. That's essentially it. Yeah, and um, obviously, uh, in the introduction I mentioned, you know, your, your mission is, is to change the, the, the culture of gifting um, and you know the the festive period and you know just before that as well Black Friday is is obviously quite a, a key time for the amount of just stuff that is purchased um, and largely through online um, online e-commerce platforms um, as as well and and so you're trying to in in, in the, I suppose in the most basic sense you're trying to shift the the consumption of stuff to the purchase of experiences so, so what kind of you know if I, if I was to go on your platform now what kind of gifts would I would I be able to purchase for someone yeah so so essentially you're looking for a, a gift for a, for a yeah, friend or family and and looking at the, at the tingly.com site you'll be able to browse a range of collections of experiences uh, for a range of budgets that that, that you can then actually uh, you know, gift to somebody so we, we send those out to, to the recipient and then that recipient chooses from you know a couple of thousands, a couple of thousand of different experiences around the world, and they can do those in any one of over a hundred countries. So it might be, let's say, you know, a bungee jump in New Zealand. It could be you know swimming with uh, with sharks or great you know, uh, you know shark watching in uh, in in South Africa. Uh, it could be the longest zipline in the world in Peru. You know, it could be a whole range of things, or, or even something more sort of relaxing. Uh, like a massage or a food experience or a cocktail making course, something like that. So, so you said you know you, you hadn't heard of Tingly before, uh, and uh, and really we I think we're the, we are the first uh, company that's offering global experiences. There are already companies in the UK offering mm. uh, experience gifts for the UK, 
but we're the first company that's uh, that's doing this uh, globally. And I was I was having a um, a chat actually with my with my other half last night. Um, she, she always buys more presents for me than I than I do for her over over Christmas. Um, to the point where I almost get a weird sense of, of guilt as if there's not enough under the Christmas tree um, uh, for her. And 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 I think that is perhaps you know a, a perhaps a kind of human behaviour or, or mindset that that a lot of people do get stuck in, and it's it's kind of you know. You've got to have a, a lot under the tree to make it look like real, feel really kind of Christmassy, and it's perhaps quantity over quality. Um, and the whole idea of buying an experience, or I mean, I've done it before with like you know tickets to an an event for for a present or whatnot, and it's always like there's that almost absence of something under the tree. But um, you you obviously you, I, I believe you can either just print off the the um the brochure to flip through or or that there is actually something physical that that will be sent and um i'm ta- i take it you know that that physical box or, or brochure that is sent has also sustainability in mind in terms of how that's created and how how it can be totally totally yeah so i mean i yeah i can I definitely relate to the uh the feeling of uh of undergiving for for, for loved ones that's uh uh that's uh you know definitely a theme um, I mean, essentially, what we're saying here is that you're you're giving something that's actually bringing happiness, not just at the moment of gifting, but also at the moment of doing the experience, and then the happiness of the memories afterwards. So, so you know, if you think back to let's say six Christmases ago, um, you know, the chances are you probably won't remember most of the things that were there under the tree for you. Neither will will your better half who you you're speaking to. Uh, but but the, the great thing about uh, gifting experiences is that you know it's actually scientifically proven that you will remember that experience and bring much more happiness and joy over over your lifetime. So you can probably think back to a, a great experience that you've had, something that's really really unusual or unique, uh, and that's uh, and that's really really cool. So what we what we do when we um, when somebody buys a gift is they have two options. So they can have uh, you know sort of a simple uh, PDF uh, version of a, of, a, of a voucher, which, which they can give to, give to that person uh, either physically or, or just send it to them. Or we actually uh, deliver beautiful uh, gift boxes, uh, which we send out around the world. And yes, these are made of recycled materials, uh, you know, clean inks. Um, uh, fully recyclable materials as well. So this has really been thought through end to end, and that, that includes the delivery too. So uh, we actually work with with DHL uh, and have uh, full carbon offset, actually 200% offset with them. So the uh, you know from from the moment of actually going on to the to the site uh, to a sustainable company with purpose, uh, you know, is what we are, and you know what you're buying is then you know, really at the core of delivering happiness. With with a sort of a strong sustainability ethos, you know, end to end there. And so the the two hundred percent offset. So that's that's essentially double the amount that you would actually need to to cover cover the emissions from logistics. Is that correct? Uh, not just logistics. So actually the experience as well. Oh, okay. So whether yeah. So we're we're really conscious of, and this was sort of the thing that didn't really sit with us uh, very well at the at the beginning was that okay, some of the experiences will be let's say a walking tour around Bangkok. Or, or again, something more simple and sedate in in somewhere like London. Uh, but you know, a lot of people they they want to to have sort of adventure rides, or you know, it might be a helicopter flight, or a, a ride, you know, a, a trip in a in a racing car around a around a racetrack. And and we we've taken that sort of difficult decision to say, you know, you know what, we actually want to make sure that this is not just not doing less bad, 
uh, not doing less bad, but actually we want to be having a positive here. So that by uh, you know, using that experience and, and, and having that, that wonderful moment, uh, you're even doing good for the environment. So there's a sort of a, a net carbon positive effect from doing the experience. So we work with uh, the UK company Climate Care, yeah, um, and uh, and and we actually do that uh, through them. So we're really happy to to partner with them on that side. Yeah, we we actually partner with Climate Care for for our uh, events as well to to, to offset them. Um, and I'll, I'll come back to offsetting in in a minute. But um, I, I mean, I take it if I were to, I mean, you mentioned um, uh, a kind of walk in in Bangkok as one of the experiences. If I was to, to purchase that, uh, you know, or do you, do you feel you'll get to the point where you might be conversing with airlines and people who? I mean, I don't know how people purchase stuff and tingly if they've bought something at a location because they know they're planning to visit that location already um, in terms of international travel. But do you see yourself ever kind of liaising with airlines to kind of limit the, the impact of the travel to and from the, the experience as well? Uh, so, so this is, uh, this is, this is a good point. Uh, so we actually started back in 2015, I think it was, that we offer the, the carbon offset um, for clients during the checkout process. So, because we see that, uh, you know, the people that we're helping are, are people around the world with international friends and family and, and obviously, you know, people who want to travel. Um, so, so one of the other things you mentioned was about, uh, you know, if I know I'm going to travel there, well, I mean, first of all, the Tingley um, gift is sort of without uh, unlimited validity. So you can use this sort of whenever you want. Mm. So there's no sort of uh, time pressure on that. And so then we, we sort of, you know, we really hope that people are thinking, hey, I'm going to, let's say, Thailand next year on holiday. You know, this is a great opportunity to actually have, a, have a, an experience while I'm there, thanks to these, uh, these friends. So, so, so looking at it from, uh, from that side, um, we, we, we offer that offset uh, in, in the basket so people can do that. We will then offset the, uh, the experience itself. Um, so, so it's really sort of covered uh, end-to-end uh, from that perspective. Um, I think what you've also touched on there, the sort of the sensitive question about, you know, uh, minimizing flights and reducing travel and so on. Uh, and this is really that, that we've sort of taken this position that, you know, yes, we, we believe in, in, in the interconnected world. We, we want us to, to all be more, more connected and more human. And it's great to use Skype and, and other conferencing tools, but it's also wonderful to explore, meet and go, go face to face. So, you know, it's, a, it's as much about actually making sure that the travel that is required is, is uh, you know, 200% offset. Um, but also then the experiences that you're, you're doing are, are really thought through as well. So that we we are able to you know we remove sort of all animal experiences uh, and we can you know promote things that are positive and have a have a good impact on the local environment too. And offsettings, uh, it's, it's kind of a debate that's really starting to to pick up a bit of momentum. Um, certainly from what we see within our audience, um, mainly mainly in actually the kind of aviation and transport sectors. Um, uh, and I mean obviously in that kind of e-commerce sphere that you're in it's it's you, you know you mentioned you're working with dhl and I'm, i imagine you kind of have very limited s- scope to actually make them not just rely on offsets but actually improve you know emissions reductions and improve energy efficiency um i suppose my question here is you know how you know what's your view on businesses not simply just relying on offsets to say they've done their due diligence but actually you know making sure that you know they they have improved energy efficiency. They really are lowering their carbon emissions as well. 
I, I think I think you're right, and I think it also goes beyond just energy. So I think it comes into a lot of the social impact and, and actually economic and the governance impact. So part of our vision here is is really how you know we're working with let's say thousand suppliers around the world who are providing you know tourism experiences or, or some, you know some kind of travel experiences, and and really our vision is actually to have a positive impact on them, being able to measure them. Being able to work closely with them, that we can we can you know change them for for the better. Uh, so we would want to understand that someone are operating, let's say, you know, glider flight over Angkor Wat in Cambodia, that they would be you know paying taxes, paying a fair wage, uh, you know, good working conditions for their people, you know, all, actually measuring and understanding all of these impacts, and then being able to to to, to change those. Um, and then and then I think the other the other aspect of this is is what we're trying to do with Plastic Bank. Uh, so, so again, this is something I haven't mentioned until now. But each time somebody uh, buys a tinder gift, we are actively removing, so working with a, a great organisation called Plastic Bank to remove 15 kilos of plastic from rivers. So that's actually that's actually 650 bottles, uh, equivalent of 650 bottles. That's an actually an enormous amount of plastic. And, and why, we, why we're doing that is twofold. One is because we're saying, you know, our slogan is give stories, not stuck. So we really want to have this sort of positive impact where we're promoting experience gifts, not buying stuff. And we believe that in order to have a bigger impact on businesses more widely, we can actually say, hey, you know, we're, we're actually walking the talk here. We're going to be taking away plastic. And it's so realistic and easy to do that everybody else should be doing this as well. You know, why is everybody else not at least carbon neutral, if not positive? And, and why not do other things that really fit with the core message of, of, of a brand? So, yeah, this plastic removal is really important to us. And this is, this is something we can make a difference with. And I think if we can, you know, get an, another thousand companies to do the same, uh, then, then we can have a real impact here. Yeah, we, we're seeing a lot of discussions amongst some of the, I suppose, the kind of considered sustainability leaders about moving from that kind of incremental, less bad approach to to sustainability to actually, you know, going out of your way to to do things you don't necessarily have to do that still make a difference in the planet. So it sounds like the um, the, the the plastics uh, collections in, in in Bali in the Philippines um, is a really good example of that. Uh, Alex, that was, that was all I really wanted um, to ask you today. It's been a great insight into into tingling. I'm, you know, I'm personally certainly um, thinking about getting uh, at least someone a a experience for Christmas Fantastic. over over a, a, a gift. Um, and as as for yourself, since we're on the topic of Christmas, you know, what what's what's your plans over over the um, over the Christmas break? Because we we at Ed we break up. Um, we get about, I think this year, almost a week, two weeks off because we close uh, between Christmas and, and New Year's, which is nice. I don't know, I don't know if you get that that luxury, but what's your plans for for Christmas? Uh, yes, so uh, have have family family visiting. Uh, the children are off school, so that's exciting. Uh, we have a, a no no plastic uh, policy with the kids, um, and uh, and then we 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 do sort of a small secret Santa for for immediate family members. So that's that's another way that we've sort of re- reduced. Not only the um, the volume around the tree, but also the, the sort of the stress around buying at Christmas. Um, so so that's uh, you know really looking forward to that. We'll be having a a mix mix of, uh, of cultures or over for, for, for food over Christmas as well. And uh, yeah, really really looking forward to it. And I think I sent my first Christmas gift uh, two days ago uh, to a friend in Moscow, to a German friend of mine in uh, in Moscow. And uh, we have this new collection which is called a gift for the planet. 
which is where we just say, you know, instead of actually a thing, we're, we're gifting uh, this 15 kilo removal of plastic and uh, and carbon uh, carbon offsets for for for, uh, for the planet. So it's a gift for the uh, for the gift for the planet. So that's that's another thing that I'll be uh, probably be sharing a little bit more widely this uh, this Christmas. Brilliant. Sounds yeah. Sounds sounds like a really really nice um, Christmas. Yeah. I'm. We're also doing a, a secret Santa amongst my <clears throat> kind of immediate family as well. So just one gift for one person to. I think for that reason, um, almost subconsciously as well. So good to see that, that I'm not the only one doing that. Um, Alex, it's been it's been a pleasure speaking <laughs> sure. to you. Um, and and we'll, we'll certainly try and keep up on on the um, keep up with tingling and get some more updates on how that kind of 200% offsetting is uh, is is going in the future. But it's been a pleasure speaking to you. Thank you. Thanks very much for your interest. All the best. So thanks to uh, uh, Tingley there for for you know having having the time to speak to us um, and and as someone who is considering using them for a gift um, just away from the whole sustainability aspect of it it just takes all the pressure away from me if I wanted to do it because you you it's like a leaflet and and the person who the the receiver of the gift just goes through and chooses the experience that they want uh, and if you're like me and you're just terrible at coming up with ideas it's a it's a great cop out basically. <laughs> Um, so let's let's stick with the delivery theme for now and move straight on to our next interview and then we'll go off to a short break. Um, uh, so during the festive period, workplace deliveries of personal online shopping rockets by nearly two-thirds, according to Transport for London. Yep, Sarah, I think you're responsible for about three-quarters of that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and apparently three-quarters of Londoners are concerned about the impact of their online purchases um to discuss this further james has gone out and secured uh, a guest who i've been told has prepared the biggest sleigh sized cargo bike to donate gifts from local businesses in the london bridge area which is that's a mouthful um but you know the idea of a, a giant sleigh sized cargo bike rolling around london absolutely excites me so so james Tell us more and introduce his next speaker. We have uh, Nardi Bricardo who's joining us on the phone now from Team London Bridge. Team London Bridge is the business improvement district for this area of London. They've been working with 40 local businesses on incentivising them to use cargo bikes for last mile deliveries. Uh, this is as part of the transition away from diesel and petrol vehicles and the implementation of the London Ultra Low Emission Zone that happened in April. So Nardi, we've got a few questions for you on this project that hopefully you'll be able to give us uh, some good insight into. Um, could you tell us about how you kind of begun the Bikes for Business project and uh, how you how you begun that engagement with local businesses on cargo bikes and, and got it off the ground? Yes, of course. Um, well, obviously, um, you've already mentioned that um, the ULEZ came in um, in April 2019. And um, obviously, uh, business communities um, you know, were wanted to be able to respond positively to that. And um, we know that the air in London Bridge is... is, is, is really detrimental to our health and um, a big percentage of that is, is, is the transport and the deliveries and freight that gets delivered um, and used by the business community here in London Bridge. So um, we started the Bike for Business um, campaign um, which uh, is backed by TfL and um, is trying to change that um, uh, use of um, vans and vehicles to uh, using cargo bikes 
which um, is uh, you know, sustainably electrically charged, um, and um, using pedal power really just to uh, deliver um, people's deliveries here in London Bridge. And we've had a, a, a real success of it. I mean, businesses have seen the benefits quite easily, um, but um, you know, it's uh, it's always slow process process to change people's um, uh, set. Uh, procedures, but it's um, with the summer that we've had, and with um, the uh, extension rebellion, and um, you know all that the press that has has been around it, it's been a real success. Uh, hi, Nadi, it's uh, it's Matt here, um, and I just want to build on. You mentioned you know that the benefits um, to the businesses, local businesses, were, were there, but the, were there also any kind of barriers that you had to overcome? I imagine there might have been some specific challenges in. In relation to um, to costs and the impact of kind of existing uh, delivery infrastructure. Yes, I think infrastructure is, is a major one, but I think also um, perception um, is, is is quite challenging. People have a, a perception that um, things are safer um, in a van. It's you know it's it just has has that um, perception that people um, well, we're just brought up to kind of assume that it's it's safer if it's locked up in a van. Um, and we were able to really kind of dispel that um, when the NHS, um, in terms of guidance and Thomas's um, foundation trust, the, the, the hospitals here actually um, use cargo bikes now for their pathology. So, you know, if they can transport um, blood, uh, we can get our staples and coffees and um, other aspects, uh, you know, delivered in on that. So it's slow process in terms of you know, trying to get through people's um, systems and procedures, um, and we still have some challenges. I'm not saying that it's all it's all um, easy, but uh, you know, a year ago people were very um, anti almost the, the 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 concept of of a bike um, delivering, whether that be legal documents or um, their their milk in the morning. But um, now there's there's been a, a real change in that. Hey, um, and Nadia, it's Sarah here. I wanted to build on on that. So you've talked about the array of things that are being delivered. So from pathology to to coffee, um, <laughs> quite a segue, which I don't think we could have got um, anywhere else. But w- what sort of businesses are you seeing sort of take this up, and some that maybe aren't quite ready um, t- to get there yet? We've got noted down that maybe would this be suitable for businesses that have hot food, for example, or that sell big products or, or a lot of products and on the converse what 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 business is this, this sort of a, a no-brainer for in terms of speed yes well I, mean, I think anyone who, who who's um, seen the, the, the congestion in London um, you know usually some in, on many days walking is even um, faster than taking um, you know being in a van so the, the speed is absolutely an, an, an easy process and, and and London in terms of Distance is is quite quite a, an, an easy aspect to kind of get get through and kind of get people's understanding on. Um, in terms of the businesses that are using, we've got absolutely everything. We've got architects who are using it um, for their their printouts. Um, we've got you know uh, standard businesses, SMEs, large businesses who are getting their uh, fruit and milk and um, deliveries uh, you know on a daily basis. We've got um, legal. Um, Firms you know, delivering their um, legal documents through this. Um, hot food, it depends. Some these cargo bikes can generate that. They can be cold and hot food, but that is obviously for um, specific businesses to have those specifically fitted. Um, I've seen uh, restaurants moving fridges on a cargo bike. 
um, you know, so you know, industrial fridges on a cargo bike to um, to, to the outside catering for, um, events. Um, you know, like I said, we've got um, guys and kings doing it through their pathology services. So it's it's absolutely across the, the, there's there's not really much that can't actually go on a cargo bike. That's really interesting. And in terms of um, you know, talk about fridges. That's that's incredible. It, 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 what does it mean for? A member of staff or someone who's using one of these cargo bikes in terms of uh, the training required for it and, and, and what it really means for a business to integrate this into their logistics operation and, and, and doing that kind of last mile delivery this way. Yeah, I think the, the biggest, um, the training is not, uh, is, 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 is fairly simple. It's, um, it's actually the um, ability to, to, to get the bike within their delivery bays. Um, a lot of uh, Delivery basins um, are, are either underground or in areas of, um, of quite high traffic area, and that is where the that is where some of the um, concerns come in. Is how do the delivery bikes um, work in conjunction? Because we we have there's no way that we're going to get rid of um, vans and vehicles um, overnight. Um, and and that, that will, is, is obviously a process that will, will take years. So they have to be working in conjunction with each other. Um, so, But if we are going to get to a, a cleaner environment, we have to look at the different uh, processes and procedures, particularly in the delivery areas um, for, for, the, for the cargo bikes, um, because everything is geared up to um, a vehicle. Um, so and and obviously um, training is is uh, training and development is also required for um, cargo van drivers and standard van drivers um, in terms of their deliveries because you know, um, there are now more vehicles more sorry um, pedal bikes on on the on the roads doing um, doing their deliveries. Okay, great. Well, I was going to ask sort of how you're measuring some of the successes, but it sounds like you've. Um, touched on that already and as we're recording this sort of coming to the close of a year into the beginning um, of a new year it's always a good time for reflection but also for for looking forward um, so just to ask what the future holds for for this project and whether you've you've seen maybe other other bids looking to to follow suit yes I mean I think that uh, you know it, it's I mean, I'm hopeful, but I mean, the stats are starting to show. You know, just just within in, in one one year, you know, we've got uh, over 50 deliveries a day happening within the London Bridge area um, on on cargo bikes. So, I mean, it's 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 absolute growth. Um, getting people, um, you know, trained to 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 do those deliveries is um, is I think is is, is going to be a challenge. So, um, to have, uh, you know. The scene as a as something that people want to do because you do have to be fit, um, and um, I I would imagine that it will it will be growing. Um, we will probably be seeing quite a, some some more subsidies available in terms of um, you know, people being able to fit out their bikes to um, you know, accommodate uh, whether that be specialised um, functions. Um, you were talking about heat before. You know, keeping things warm and cold, and and that that that'll be an, an interesting aspect. Um, but you know, it's it's getting to a position of deliveries in this last mile area where it can be carbon neutral. So I think um, you know, there's nothing but um, but growth. Um, and this time of year during Christmas deliveries, which is why we're doing a real 
push on it um, at, at this time of year. Is, you know, on, on our London streets, we've got 65% increase in personal deliveries. Now, we all want our deliveries delivered to the office, but um, yeah, we, we have to be mindful that um, that is increasing air pollution and the congestion. So using cargo bikes and trying to get that to a, a, a more positive frame um, is beneficial for, for all of us, as well as getting our Christmas deliveries. And uh, I think I think the Christmas deliveries now is is a really good note to uh, to finish on. So the the press material that, that we got sent was that it was uh, more than two thousand presents will be delivered to to local charities, um, which will work with stuff. I mean, Team London Bridge didn't have to do this. Um, it was a case of a, an organisation kind of going above and beyond their own operations to deliver real um, tangible change. Do you, do you think that was just the the Christmas spirit getting hold of you, or or is or is this you know this kind of philanthropic? I can't say that word. Uh, philanthropic, philanthropic. Uh, this philanthropic approach is, is is that something you see um yourself and a lot of a lot of uh other businesses really starting to get to grips with yeah i think it's a combination of both i mean we it's it's, it's yeah this this whole climate agenda just feels like an elephant that um, we all need to start chewing and um you know this gives us an opportunity to really you know kind of getting at an opportunity where people are feeling very um, giving, should we say, and you know, the, the gifts are really a, a, um, a, a good way to, to engage with the businesses. And then when you actually layer it on top of deliveries in a completely carbon neutral manner, it, it's, it's, it's an easy you know, aspect for anyone. And then once they've tried it through the Christmas giving campaign, they, they realize, well, actually, we can use it on a, on a, on a daily basis. So um, it's both philanthropic um, and, um, and you know, and, and um, yes, just uh, you know, hopefully something that we, we all continue to push and, and work with. Brilliant, note. I think that's a, a great note to uh, to end on. Um, the the press said that it was it was um, today where where that big push is happening. So I'm sure it's a uh, it's a busy day and a busy period for you. So we'll, we'll let you get on. Um, we'll let you get on with the rest of your work. But it's been a, it's been a pleasure uh, speaking to you, Nadia. Thank you so much for for dialing in today. Excellent. Thank you very much. Well, that was extremely uplifting uh, and nice to see that genuine good can still occur and the fact that, you know, Boris Johnson can now get lifts around London in his little fridge on a cargo bike. So we'll be taking a short break, but join us for part two where we will be discussing food waste this Christmas. So, hello and welcome back to the Sustainable Business Cover podcast. Uh, Sarah, I, I'm, I'm worried we haven't heard too much from you so far this episode. We've been rolling through the interviews. So, I think it's time to, you know, get, get your voice on this a bit more. So, how about Christmas, Carol? No? No. <laughs> Not happen? Okay. Uh, fair, fair enough. So, instead, why don't we discuss uh, one of your recent work trips to London? And I, I know there's been a lot, um, but I think it was the most recent one anyway. Um, to hear about our next podcast guest. Last week? Two weeks ago? Honestly, at this time of year, I feel like time is a construct <laughs> and just blends into, <laughs> into each other. Um, but it was a very, very cold day. It was minus two on the morning that I woke up to go into London um, for a lot of meetings. And the last one was with Steve Butterworth, who is the CEO um, of Neighbourly. Um, and I've, I have introduced them in, in our chat. Um, but we last spoke to Steve when he first took up the role at, at Neighbourly, which is essentially a redistribution and giving platform both for time and 
and for money um, for a catch up about what they've been what they've been doing since then really um, and it's being widely reported everywhere that food waste goes up by around a third at Christmas so I realise there's probably no better time than to than to catch up. Great, yeah, no, like you said, no better time whatsoever. So, so let's, let's hear that interview in full. Right, so for the next segment of our Christmas podcast, I'm here on a very chilly day in London and it reached minus one here overnight. So I'm feeling very festive, but also very, very cold. Um, and I'm here with Steve Butterworth from Neighbourly. Hello, how are you doing? I'm very well, thanks so much for having me. No, thank you for coming on. Um, and for those who haven't heard um, of Neighbourly, just a brief introduction, it's a B Corp. Um, that uses a technology platform to help big brands redistribute their surplus food and other products, manage their charity donations and facilitate employee volunteering, all with a focus on real community-led um, initiatives and those that need it most. And some of its clients include the likes of Lidl, Marks and Spencers, um, Starbucks and, and Heineken UK. Um, and the first time I talked, the last time and the first time I talked to you, Steve, was last year. Um, and it was when you'd recently moved to Neighbourly as CEO and you guys were talking about how some of the companies you work with and some of the um, charity partners you were working with were looking for an international rollout. So I wanted to sort of catch up and see what's been going on in 2019 for you guys. So 2019 has been a, a, a big year on, on many fronts. I guess for us it sort of splits down into, into three core areas. Uh, from a, a client highlight perspective, yeah, we've had a, a big rollout with Aldi, um, and they went out full uh, statewide, 850 stores in, in under five months. Amazing. So that was a, a brilliant. So by the time they'd finished the rollout, they'd already redistributed two million meals, and they should be knocking on the door of three million by Christmas, including a big push over Christmas Eve. So that's been a, a big highlight. The, the TK Maxx project, um, where they were supporting about 800 environmental projects around the UK. Actually, they were the biggest supporters of Surface Against Sewage this year, um, and, and that was celebrated at the Plastic Free Awards, um, which happened in Bristol a couple of weeks ago, yes. uh, which is a real highlight as well. Uh, and then actually, yeah, the MS Volunteer Week this year was a, a massive success. It was focused very much on supporting youth charities across the UK, um, and that's yeah, had a, a phenomenal impact on, on tens of thousands of, of people across the UK. So client-wise, it's been a big year. Obviously, the macro picture has been you know, huge in terms of all of the announcements that have been going on. Uh, yeah, obviously, the, the US Business Roundtables announcement, the, you know, the FT's capitalism reset. Uh, it, it's, you know, a day doesn't go by now where there's a, a talk of, of, of rebooting uh, capitalism. Capitalism's dead, as Mark Benioff said recently. I mean, there's so many... Uh, sound bites out there, but obviously it's actions that need to speak louder than words. And you know, only what was it sort of yesterday? Um, you know, the the announcement around the uh, the Bates Wells uh, law firm redrafting of the, the the company purpose bill amendment, which is talking about the need to actually redefine the whole operating system that underpins capitalism. So big year, big year for that. And and I guess how's that translated to us as a business? It's been our biggest year ever, so it's been a, a, a real success for, for the, the team. Um, fantastic support uh, you know, from, the, from the clients. Um, and uh, you know, I think that continued rise of B Corps, which was such a, we're so proud to be a part of, has, uh, has been a, a real highlight. No, there's definitely so much going on. And I mean, on days like this, sometimes I'm like, oh, I'm so overwhelmed. Is, was all of it worthwhile? Is it going in a good direction? 
but I think now it's a good time of year to take stock and appreciate what did go well and what is happening. And as you say, I think a big tipping point with actions as well as words is probably coming. Absolutely. And to your point around you know, the, the, my international aspirations for, for the organisation, so that, that still very much remains. I think we, we're very much client-led in that respect. Right. Um, you know, since we spoke, as I said, mentioned a second ago, we've obviously worked you know, um, extensively now with, with Aldi, obviously people like Lidl, Innocent as well. You know, they're all organisations with sizable European footprints and that's still our logical next step. Uh, so there's on ongoing uh, research and, and conversations there. Great. Um, and then obviously we're meeting just before Christmas. People are wandering past with their hats on and with their shopping bags full. Um, I imagine it must be a really busy time for you because obviously when we think about Christmas, everyone thinks about food. Yes. But with the changing conversation, everyone's also thinking about charitable giving. It's a time when charities really push. You might see them in the train stations. More Oxfam is asking people to buy a planet-saving pig. <laughs> for people right? in Chris, at Christmas instead of a, a physical um, present. So I wanted to ask about sort of how you guys mark Christmas at Neighbourly and whether that's different this year perhaps. So, I mean, the, the, the team is bigger than it's ever been, um, you know, which is, is a cause for celebration. And, and we've actually got behind uh, an initiative um, which is called Replant Bristol, um, yeah. which you may have seen. Mm -hmm. uh, so the Greenhouse PR have, have got behind um, you know, banging the drum for, for that initiative, which is looking to, to plant 250,000 trees uh, in the Bristol area by, by 2030. So one of our opportunities there is to plant uh, one tree per employee at Christmas. It's catchy, doing. isn't it? And it's, it's, really, it's really cool. But also, it's often you can plant a, you know, a, a big tree um, for the company too. So um, yeah, we very much got behind that. So from a, a, a company perspective, yeah, that's our, our sort of Christmas drive. Yes, it's a hugely busy period for us. Massive push on the, the food redistribution projects, especially, yeah. especially on Christmas Eve. Um, I can but, imagine, because everything's closed, isn't it? it so there'll it, it be is. extra. And there's extra, so we, there's, a, it, there's added work streams there to bring in what are sometimes just one-time good causes that collect just at Christmas Eve. Um, but that yeah, is an opportunity for us to double down on the impact that, that they can make. Fantastic. And then looking forward to the new year, I know you mentioned about more of your international um, in, aspirations, but is there any other glimpses that you could could give us. I know you're looking as well to work beyond the company and within it to look at this new form of capitalism as you've touched on as being community capitalism as a movement for 2020. Yeah I, for, for us so we, we recently carried out some, some research we were talking to C-level executives across you know, large B2C businesses in the, in the UK and trying to understand you know, how they view the importance of, of supporting local community projects that were close to their locations, where their employees lived, where their, their, their customers live. And you know, I mean, obviously, we can hear capitalism being reframed in so many different ways at the moment. You know, it's conscious capitalism, sustainable capitalism. For us, the sort of community capitalism piece picks up on the fact that the community is a key stakeholder in the way that, that, that businesses are, are being run. And, you know, our, our sort of adoption of the community capitalism piece is, is relevant. You know, it was coined in the US. Um, you know, it has a really important role to, to play uh, moving forward. And you know, we've had some amazing stats that we're, we're looking to publish early in the new year you know, with the number of, of businesses that are saying that actually it's not just about you know, the communities from the customer perspective, but actually you know, there's an expectation from employees you know, with 92% you know, expecting you know, that they're... Uh, that the employee retention will be better you know, as, as a result of getting behind community causes. Mm. 
it's refreshing to hear that really because so long there's a lot of talk about offsetting and oh we'll just help somewhere else and the people actually wanting to put back into their communities oh, it's, and it's so authentic and, and it's and it's and properly genuine which mm. is which as you say is refreshing to hear and yeah. see it's happening and broadening the conversation as well i feel like the environmental conversation is now at a point where as many people are engaged as some might think could be but if you ask people do they care about their local schools do they care about whether there's litter in their local parks do they care about their local community businesses and connections it'd be you'd be hard pressed to find someone that said no and in the spirit of christmas they'd be a bit of a scrooge <laughs> absolutely and, and, you're, and you're right it's really important that they can relate to it yes um you know, the, the, the macro picture is so big that people sometimes feel a little bit disconnected from it and there's there's, there's no doubt this is the year when you know and it's no highlight that, that the climate emergency has been declared but it is something you know, to, to, to get behind, but it has to be done at a level which people can relate to. So, yeah, totally agree. Great. And then I feel like I should just close off by asking what is on your Christmas list this year. So either on your personal one or what you'd like to see maybe come out of COP or something you'd like to see happen more, more widely. I think, I guess, for me, you know, it, it is this this current... Uh, no more. It's not a groundswell anymore, but it is this... This, this ability for business to properly get behind the, the idea of, of, of shifting the priority at the at the C-suite level on on uh, you know, on, on capitalism and I and I, I and if I was yet yeah, to, to sort of hope you know for that you know, going into 2020 I think there is a there is there is reason to be excited at the rate of change and so for me yeah you know, Christmas you know, can be uh, can be enjoyed all the more for knowing that you know, while there are some sizable massive issues and problems out there that need to be solved it is a time when you know there are there are good opportunity to, to, to get in there and, and make a difference great well I don't think there's a better note to end on do you no well thanks again no thank you for coming on so thanks to Steve there for that uh, heartwarming chat I I have to admit, I was a bit worried when I was planning this episode that we'd be like, let's talk about Christmas and sustainability <laughs> and basically about how unsustainable the most wonderful time of the year is. Um, but it's good to see that actually the, the, the people we've spoken to so far, you know, are, are focusing sustainability through the lens of doing good rather than, oh, you know, let's get rid of all presents. That's, you know, it's not, it's not bar humbug. Basically, there's, there's, there's some good out there. And I realised that sounded a bit Sam, Samwise Gamgee then when I didn't mean to. Um, actually... Samwise Gamgee, don't know why that popped into my head, but let's talk about Christmas movies, shall we? There's no, <laughs> there's no sustainability Ooh. aspect to this. Um, it's just, it's such a contentious topic, and yeah, I, I, um, I, I, I'll be interested to, to hear um, that one film that you absolutely have to watch at Christmas. James, what, what is it? Uh, well, my favourite Christmas film is Scrooge. Oh, okay. Ma- ma- for the main reason that I mean, it's aged terribly. It's a terrible. <laughs> but Bill Murray is obviously just just a magnificent actor, and there's a segment in that you can probably just watch it on YouTube, where he does about five minute monologue, just about why Christmas is really important. Right at the end, and he's like, "We can do it. You must believe something," and it's just really, really inspirational. It always makes me a bit tearful. So that's my favourite Christmas film. Does that, that come on Christmas Day in the morning, or is it just whenever you get a chance to watch it? Um, I used to watch it like every year, but I must have been watched it again recently. I think it's on Netflix now or something. Yeah, or, or Netflix other, have them all. Or, or other good streaming providers. <laughs> uh, so uh, yeah, yeah, I'll probably, uh, I'll probably watch that at some point during the Christmas period. Good, Sarah. What about yours? Um, bit of a change of pace, but mine has to be Love Actually. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people would say that, but there's so much to love about it. Notably, really bad. 
um, Christmas song, Christmas is all around um, <laughs> us, and what might have been the UK's last democratically elected Prime Minister yeah. in the form of Hugh Grant. Yeah, Doing his yeah. Um, and his yeah. secretary who gets him. told off for being fat and ugly when she looks extremely pretty. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I'm also going to do a complete change of lanes here. Muppets Christmas Carol. Yes. I knew you were going to say yeah, that. Yes. Yeah. I, I do also love it's the fact use. that Jurassic Park is always, always on over Christmas. You can tell by my jumper, it's got dinosaur, Christmas dinosaurs on it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think um, yeah, Muppets Christmas Carol just gets that that real Christmassy feeling. It's always on Christmas mm. morning somewhere. Uh, I, although, and I we've had this conversation in the office before, the, the hill that I'm willing to die on is that Muppets Treasure Island is a better film than Muppets Christmas Carol. Um, I, I, that I, I've got like the blinkers on. I won't listen to a conversation about I'm, that. It's I'm, undisputed fact. It's Sarah. It's undisputed I'm fact. I'm not trying to dispute you. I'm trying to say that I'm glad that the hill you're not willing to die on is Die Hard because so many people uh, think yeah. that it's an extremely hard, festive movie. It is a Christmas film, but let's not go there. Um, <laughs> I know. I know that Luke isn't here. But in case you were wondering. Uh, his favourite Christmas film is either The Grinch or It's a Wonderful Life, because clearly he does not have that Christmas cheer, otherwise he would be here. Yeah, like I said, there was no reason for that discussion, by the way. I just think I think <laughs> no, it's right. just there's yeah. nothing remotely to do with sustainability. I don't know the like, I don't know what the the kind of embodied carbon of a Muppet is, for example. But no. it was just it was just something I wanted to to know. <laughs> um, and yeah, listeners, if you are looking for that perfect uh, stocking filler, Muppets Treasure Island, I'm sure it's available on DVD for like ninety p somewhere. Um, right. So is that we've done three three interviews. Yes. yes. Great. Well, that means we can do our final interview um, of this episode, and indeed of two thousand and nineteen. I mean, in podcast format, I'm sure we're still talking to people on other stuff. You've got a webinar next week, James. I have. I yeah. have indeed. Yes. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. So for the final interview in this Christmas special, it's my pleasure to say that we have Emily Auckland, the network director for the. UK Stakeholders for Sustainable Development, which for my own uh, personal ease, we shall now refer to as UK SSD um, from now on. Uh, Emily, thank you so much for, for joining me today on relatively short notice. Uh, how are you? I'm pretty well, thanks, Matt. How are you? Yes, yeah, very well. Um, as I mentioned, we, we've just had our company meeting and it's, it's our Christmas jumper day because it's our Christmas party tomorrow. So feeling very, very festive. Good. Good. Me too. Good. And... Well, it's good that we've been festive because, yeah, the, this is obviously the Christmas special um, and I don't know about anyone else, but when, when I think of Christmas, one of the first things that does pop into my mind is food. Over the Christmas period, I, I eat an insane amount of food, um, whether it's kind of gifts from people or just the fact that I'm like, oh, it's, it's, it's that kind of tangent of it's Christmas, I can enjoy myself, I can let myself go um, a little bit, which is exactly what I do. I come back into work January very unhealthy, very sluggish. Um, and that's kind of what I want to talk to you about, Emily. Um, and we can explain that reason to, to the listeners um, in, in a bit, because there was obviously a new initiative that the UK SSD and yourself have been working on. Um, and I'm going to reference um, something from, from your Measuring Up report, which has highlighted that UK calories from healthy foods, they consistently cost more than unhealthy foods. 20% um, of 10 to 11-year-olds are considered obese, and the global food system can contribute up to 30% of greenhouse gas emissions, um, and obviously, as you all know, food and um, food cultivation practices are a major contribution to the climate emergency and biodiversity loss. Um, so perhaps, <laughs> perhaps we're not feeling so festive anymore based on, on, on that note. But um, in, in your opinion, you know, is, is food, food kind of waste and just, I suppose, the, the life cycle impact of food, does that, does that kind of resonate on your mind over the Christmas period? 
absolutely. I mean, from a personal point of view, I'm, I'm very much like you. I come back in the new year feeling like I need to go on some crazy exercise regime and uh, cut out anything that isn't good for me in my diet. But I guess the other the other side of that is, I think that we're probably more socially conscious uh, around Christmas time. Maybe that's the kind of timey Tim effect from a from a Christmas Carol. That we're we're all aware of the fact that there are people that are are not able to to access food or that struggle at this time of year because it is incredibly expensive um, and there's some evidence around uh, that the demand from food banks going up massively at this time of year so, so I think we're probably you know I'm much more aware of that I'm, I'm conscious about that at this time of year but yeah as you say we, we waste a huge amount of food anyway but we waste even more at Christmas because we indulge so much and we indulge in things that probably aren't very good for us, like mince pies in the office because it's Christmas jumper day. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. And uh, uh, some of the other guests I've spoken to on this episode so far, um, it's very much focused around that that culture around Christmas, that it, it's okay because it's Christmas. It's almost like, you know, you're allowed to be a little bit lax with your health. And I think some people now perhaps viewing that in, in the lens of, of, you know, their, their impact on the environment um, as well. Because, you know, you think, I know, I know that, you know, food waste is bad. I know that wrapping paper isn't necessarily recyclable, but it's Christmas. And do you feel that's the kind of mindset that we need to kind of start getting individuals out of? Definitely. I mean, I think, I think there is a shift. There has been a shift towards uh, greater awareness around our consumption at Christmas. Um, and certainly, you know, I know from peers and from family and friends that people are, are trying to make a conscious effort to, to not consume too much, to not eat too much, to not buy too much. But there is still, you know, it's part of our psychology to celebrate at this time of year and to, to spend time together and have good quality social experiences. And a, and a lot of that re- revolves around eating and, and food. Um, I think that the other thing is that all of these issues are, are there all the time. It's just they're heightened and much more visible at Christmas because of, of how much we, we suddenly start to be aware of of what you know, the, the the stacks of mince pies and chocolates in the supermarket, and the the, the rubbish bags that are collected later than normal. So, so maybe we're just it, it, our consumption definitely increases, but I think we're also more aware of it, and people are maybe beginning to adjust their behaviours because of the 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 public consciousness around climate change and uh, plastic waste in particular. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. Although, um, as I mentioned, we, we've had a company meeting happen and um, <laughs> I can just see outside the window outside my door, they've all come kind of gone rushing past off to the kitchen to get the, the free lunch. So clearly um, our office is in, in that festive uh, But Emily, the reason I, I thought it'd be so good to talk to you about this issue is because we, we covered a story about the UK SSD um, this week about a partnership, um, a, a new programme that's been supported by the likes of Nestle, Nando's, uh, Baxter Story, uh, and more, and it kind of aims. Uh, my understanding is is that it aims to fix some of those issues that we mentioned uh, earlier. The kind of broken food system as, as it is. So, do you want to do you want to give a bit of an oversight as to as to what this UKSSD food systems program uh, is is trying to do? Absolutely. So, you mentioned earlier our report last year, measuring up, which was really the first comprehensive look at how the UK is performing on all of the UN Sustainable Development Goals. And the thing that really stood out in the research and and that I personally found quite shocking and I know lots of other people did as well was how many of the challenges or areas we faced on our performance 
on the SDGs related to the way that we produce and consume food. And so the, what the SDGs can help us do is, is understand how many social and environmental outcomes are being negatively impacted by, by our food system because they cover so many different topics and so many different areas. So you talked about some of the examples a moment ago. Um, the UK has some of the highest rates of food insecurity in Europe, and, and food insecurity is what we might call food poverty, and that's people not being able to access food. We've got growing rates of obesity, heart disease, and, and diabetes. Uh, and these things aren't separate. Obesity is often found to be more prevalent in areas where there are higher rates of food insecurity. And this is exactly as you said, because calories from healthy foods consistently cost more than calories from unhealthy foods. But the other side of the story is also about our environment. And, and yes, globally, production, the production and consumption of food contributes to approximately 30% of greenhouse gas emissions. And we absolutely have to do something about that. But in the UK itself, we need to recognise that our food production systems are having a damaging impact on our natural environment. So we are one of the most nature-depleted countries in the world. And the loss of habitats, uh, the degradation of our soils, the pollution of our water, and, and just the intensity of our food production system is it, really worrying. So with all of this information and, and with all of these concerns, we really wanted to create something that looks at the SDGs as an opportunity to understand the, the chances we have to change the current system by working collaboratively. And that's what this new food systems program aims to do. So the idea is that single organizations can only do so much, but if we come together and, and work with those founding partners and any others that want to join us to develop a roadmap for the UK food sector, we can and understand the impact of food on the SDGs, identify the opportunities we have to change those impacts, particularly if they're negative, obviously. Uh, we probably don't want to change the positive ones. Um, but also identify where there are challenges that exist that are going to need collective solutions that we just can't address on our own uh, as individual sector actors. So it sounds like it's quite a systemic issue, as, as you mentioned then. And, and you know, that's, that's something that can't obviously be changed um, overnight, but in the in the spirit of positivity that I'm trying to maintain uh, in this podcast, uh, what what are the kind of uh, and perhaps not individuals, but you know certainly at an organisational level, or even you know you know for a sustainability professional looking in that kind of operates perhaps in the food or catering industry, or you know has some some kind of connection to to food consumption or manufacturing. What what are the what are the messages you would give them to to you know kind of inspire them to say actually you know this might take a long time, but there's changes we can start making right away. Organisations are probably generally more aware of, of the challenges that exist within the food system because it's such a tangible product, you know, it's such a tangible thing. We can all relate to food, but we also understand the, the risks that are associated with things like climate change on, on supply chains. So I think there's a kind of a, a bit more of an awareness there about some of the complexities that exist. And what's really positive is that actually. As a result of that, we can start thinking about how we can work collectively to address those challenges and to address those risks, because we can turn them into opportunities and we can turn them into positive uh, outcomes that we can all be proud of. And I think there's some, some really good examples of that within our partner organisations, so Nestle, Nando's and, and Back to the Story you mentioned, uh, but also the other the other NGOs and, and uh, organisations that are part of of the food system programme. You know, there's some really positive examples of 
being progressive, being ambitious, you know, whether that's setting science-based targets or looking at uh, packaging or thinking about partnering with organisations that do food redistribution. Uh, there's some really good initiatives out there and what we need to do is, is look across the spectrum of what's happening in the full picture and then we can come up with a more systemic response to those challenges. Yeah, I'm getting some imagery of, of um, I don't know why the Muppets Christmas Carols popped into my head, but at the end where they all kind of go to the uh, is it Tiny Tim's um, house and, and have the big roast meal to, 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 together. It's that big community um, aspect of it, which it sounds like um, is, is, is required here. Um, so, what, so, you know, for, for 2020 then, um, let's, let's look ahead to next year. What, what, are the, what are the main things you're trying to, you want to get rolling through this programme? Any kind of main milestones you want to try and cover off? doing and we start in January at a workshop is is just to develop a roadmap for the food sector and this ultimately helps us accelerate action on the SDGs and, and we're saying it helps us switch on the SDGs in the UK because it is that let's look at systems transformation and, and let's work together to identify what we do but the roadmap will give us a chance to show what organizations across the value chain can do to have a positive impact so we start developing that in January and then we'll publish what I expect to be the first iteration of it in September. And then we'll start to work in a bit more detail on some of the areas we identify that need further development or further thought with that network of partners. It's also a chance for them to get together and share ideas, learn from each other. There's a bit of peer mentoring that will take place, but also maybe we can generate some new partnerships and, and practical opportunities out of that work. But this is the first in a series of programmes for UKSSD that's focused on systems transformation. We're starting with food because we think it's one of the biggest challenges we have in the UK and it, it's an area that we have, uh, we feel we can add some value because we do look at the spectrum of environmental, social and economic issues through the lens of the SDGs. But it is the first of what will be many programmes focused on systems transformation and we'll share our plans for those in 2020 because that is a really important year for the SDGs. It is a chance for us to recognise that with 10 years to go, actually we need to accelerate our action and the best way we can do that is to work together because we can create amazing changes when we work collaboratively. We've seen that throughout history. So we just want to use this food programme as a chance to kind of kickstart momentum around 10 years towards the SDGs. Yeah, the the next decade is uh is is key for for a lot of those targets and SDGs that, yeah. that you mentioned. Was it's a it's a decade of deliverance is the is the term I'm I'm trying to to coin and, and get trend in um much to no success I so think far. The UN are working with you on that one. Good, that's, that's good. What calling it. Oh, good, good. Okay, so there's my my me thinking my idea was original is is not the case. <laughs> Um, we've been we've been talking about Christmas, Emily. So I suppose a good place to finish on is, is just to get you know an insight on, on what your Christmas is going to look like this year. Um, is, is there anything special planning? What what does a typical Christmas look like for you? Well, Christmas in my family, I think, is probably heavily influenced by our um, environmental concerns. <laughs> um, so we are having a trimmed down Christmas lunch, which will not be overindulgent. Uh, and then we're going to have a nice walk at uh, in a nice wild area, get some get some nature into our system. Uh, but yeah, it'll be spending lots of quality time with family and friends, uh, and not indulging too much. 
Oh, brilliant. Well, it sounds that sounds really nice, and I'm I'm sure until that point, there's a there's a lot of work that you've got to uh, got to get done. So um, I, I realise I've I've probably been keeping you from a, a lot of important tasks, Emily. So it's been a pleasure speaking to you, and we'll certainly um, we'll certainly catch up in the in the new year when that roadmap's ready as well. Thanks, Matt. Thanks very much. Have a good Christmas. You too. Thank you. Brilliant to speak to Emily um, as always there, and I'm very excited to see what happens with that roadmap in 2020. Speaking of the last interview of 2019, I feel like we should probably do some sort of 2019 recap. Um, there's been a lot of big stories. And, and so I know you've dusted off the, the, the Quizmaster hat for an end of the year kind of matchup. What, what, how, how do you think we should it? Should we do the quiz first um, or shall we do the stories first? I don't know if the story will impact the quiz in any way. So. They, they won't, but I feel like... Quiz first? I feel like you've teased me with the quiz. It's got to be the quiz. Not really because the quiz is probably going to be more chaotic and I wouldn't want to finish <laughs> on that. No. Okay, <laughs> we will try this chaotic quiz and then we will calm down with our favourite moments of 2019. Lovely. Uh, okay, Sarah, uh, I'm just going to hand the reins over to you here. So I'm guessing it's me versus James. Right. So uh, we... Should we put versus Luke? Because that way he always comes last. Yeah, yeah, yeah I like okay, that. Good to know. Yeah. Yes, so <laughs> it is an audio version of our Big Fat Sustainability quiz, um, <laughs> a longer format of which will be available on the website um, next week I've pulled together four questions plus a bonus question in case you both get an equal all of them wrong. an equal score or, <laughs> or indeed wrong. all of them right or all of them wrong genuinely worried um, about how bad I'm going to be at this but yeah. take so. your pick it's probably a bit kinder than some of the other quizzes that I've done on this podcast oh, good, good. <laughs> so um, without further ado shall we get cracking with the quiz yes first question I am ready uh, how, how do we do our answers we write them down oh, yeah. and do we we can't stand out there than work on a podcast format. Do we say our name? I'll just go round. Okay. Okay. I'll just I'll just go round. They're both sort of closest answers. Okay, right. Oh, okay. Closest answer. Right. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. I see the answers. Don't look no. at my answer sheet. Um, great. So I thought I'd start with science-based targets, which is the main thing that we're hearing from Ooh. COP twenty-five okay. at the moment. Um, I would like to know, as of this morning, oh, how many companies have set approved oh. science-based targets? This isn't companies that have sort of said, oh, we'll have some set within 24 months, or we'd like to work with the SBTI. It's a specific... Yeah, these right. are people that have actually had their targets rubber-stamped. Oh, God. I know there's that huge story, but I don't know if they were approved or just committed. I know, that's what I'm thinking as well. I'm trying to think of ones where it's actually rubber-stamped. Um... Hmm. I will go with 177. I was going to... That's when you say that. I was naturally leading towards the figure 187, which makes me think that that's all of them. But, yeah, I'll go with 187. On this occasion, James, you win because you're closest. It's 312. <gasps> oh, wow. Really? Wow. Yeah. So that's amazing. I think it's nice that you're both quite far out. Yeah, yeah. What's the one? I'm sure one seven. I've broke one seven. I swear. Maybe yeah. that was 1.5C. I don't know. Yeah. The 177 figure was the number that have committed to set under the Women Business oh, Coalition. Oh, yes. Okay, right. So oh, that's a blend yes, of companies right. that have had them approved and that haven't, but it's everyone that's working with Women Business. Okay, right. Well, one nil to James. Wow. Well, that's right. amazing. Um, and it wouldn't be a quiz of the I don't year. feel like either of us really won that question. No. <laughs> no, no, you were, you, you were the best loser. Take, yeah. take the victory and roll with it, because I'm it's not going to ask the question again. Yeah. Um, <laughs> great. Um, and it wouldn't be a quiz of the year without looking back at some of the celebrities oh, um, that we might have lost this year. Mm. Um, so, as we all know, naturalist David Bellamy passed away 
this week. Mm-hmm. Um, how old was he, please? For oh. question number two. Oh no! And I'm going to ask James first because he got to go last. last I'm time. actually going to go. Having said 187, I think he was 87. Ah, oh, I think he was a lot younger. I think he was 68. You've got your figures back to front, Matt. He was 86. Oh, oh, James get that point as well. Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> oh. No. <laughs> oh, okay, oh, I'm, so I'm staring into the abyss right now, aren't I? I need to, I need to pull this back. Great. Um, James, James is the postal <laughs> vote. I'm the... <laughs> I can pull it back. Behave. You said no more election references. That's true, yeah. Um, so the third question, um, back to some more good news. Um, this year, the UK celebrated its longest stretch without domestic coal-fired power generation since pre-industrial revolution. How many days was that stretch to the nearest day? Oh, my goodness. That was in May, wasn't it? Um, or March or May. Uh, I'm going to go with... <clears throat> I feel like it was a fortnight, so I'm just going to go with a pure fortnight. I'm going to go with 14 days. Great. Okay. Any advances, Matt? Uh, I feel like... It was much higher. I'm going to go 42 days. It was 15 days. Oh, oh, what is what? my <laughs> oh, I'm well off the pace. 42 days, though, we can hope. Yeah, yeah that sounds hope. good. Um, and then I'm going to end on a grim note with okay. a damning report. <gasps> okay. um, so if last year was the year of the IPCC's global warming report, this year was the year of the IPCC's land use report. Mm-hmm. Um, so according to that report, mm. what percentage of the world's ice-free land surface are us humans using up? This is a complete stab in the dark. So What's of the world's ice-free land service, this. what percentage are humans... Using. Oh, how much of the land are we using? Yes, and that use is mainly for agriculture and materials extraction. Of the land? Yes. It's going to be a lot less, I reckon, than, than we think. I'm going to go with... I'm going to go with 10%. Of the land that we're using? Yeah. I think, I'm trying to remember back to that like one plant thing when they said there was only like 10% left of like wild animals, so I feel like it's high. I'll go with 66, two thirds. Matt was the closest, it's 72%. Oh, oh, I don't know why I put it so low. I think that was, that was a winner takes all question, wasn't it? I'm sure I, I, I heard you say that. I can edit it in if you didn't say it as well. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, the prize is absolutely nothing. It's so a mince pie. It's a mince pie. You've already bought the mince pie. <laughs> <laughs> prize myself. Okay, uh, I think James won that unanimously. Um, yes. but we did include Luke in that, so he came last. I got yes, one right. Um, okay, well... Yeah, those were those are some heavy numbers. Seventy-two percent. Seventy-two percent. I can't believe that. Um, okay, let's let's finish off then with our uh, our biggest story or moments of the year. I've been watching Sky Sports Goals of the Decade recently, which is where <laughs> this has kind of come from. Um, as much as I hate it, it's, it's RVP's volley. Such a good that goal. Was a um, anyway, completely irrelevant. Uh, our biggest moments of the year. Um, I've chosen mine, but I kind of told all it is, so no one else would chose mine anyway. Shall we go with... Actually, Sarah's the only one I think I don't actually know. I haven't spoken to in advance about this. So, Sarah, what is your moment of 2019? So, mine came this week when Time said that Greta Thunberg was its person of the year. Mm -hmm. Um, She is the youngest person ever 
to get person of the year and the fact that it in recent times went to Donald Trump who mm. is being really aggy about the fact that he didn't get it two years <laughs> um, th- who didn't get it twice just adds to the to the joy of, of sort of seeing a young woman um, a grassroots activist on the front yeah, of it's, that uh, magazine yeah it's amazing I don't think one person has done so much for the climate debate that a 16 year old is, is just and, you know, there's a, there's a lot of spokespeople in this in this area, um, and a lot of people kind of sit outside it who are advocates for it. You give the Attenboroughs, um, uh, some of the royal family as well. You've got your mm. you've got your um, your like Stella McCartney's obviously who, mm. who have taken up activism roles, but no one seems to have ignited a uh, a match quite like quite like Greta, no. which is yeah amazing. And she started from literally nowhere, one mm. person yeah. just sat outside Parliament because she. And actually, my my um, yeah. my 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 story, my moment of the year is is because of Greta actually, um, and it's, it's 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 essentially the climate rights movement, um, and more so the fact that yeah, you and I, Sarah, we went down uh, to the to the London one in mm-hmm. September and took part, and it was just something I hadn't um, experienced before. I was, yeah, you read some coverage of it and about how, uh, and you know, this is very the the traditional media mindset, um, perhaps the. Uh, the middle-aged men's club of um yeah they're just there to skip school and and you know they're not they don't care about the message and won't someone think about the ambulances that need to get through or the police as if yeah. they haven't been talking to the exactly. public bodies for weeks ahead and um time and so i went i went you know i went very much embraced with the sustainable hand, but i also went with that analytical and perhaps a slightly critical eye of okay how how you know how engaged are the younger generation with it and the, the answer was unanimous yes they actually care mm. they really are uh, involved it was yeah it was it was a real kind of moment where I kind of looked back at uh, and reflected on myself and went you know this um this is something that I could do even more it's not you know it's not just my role to report on the news about what's going on can I yeah. adopt a bit of a purpose as well which I'm still trying to figure out in fairness but that that was me uh, James yeah. well I think it's leading on the sort of the common thread from from both of you really to in the 27th of June when the UK government signed into law the amendment to the Climate Change Act to have a net zero carbon economy by 2050. And, you know, I don't want to say that was the climate strikes, that was Greta that led us to that eventual goal, but I think we we have to be realistic that it was that focus on what's been happening in, in, in the six months previous to that uh, that really put it top of the agenda. And, and, and we are now amazingly world leaders on this and I think that that's something which you know during this during this whole period of this year and looking at it you know as a country we should be quite proud of and and now for, for me it's just going out there and delivering on it um, and you know that's obviously our our big focus here on ED and uh, and hopefully we can we can deliver on that promise. Yeah I think green policy gets a, a bit of a bad rap internally within the UK and how it's kind of slowed down and that's completely fair Brexit has done that but I think is it it's mm. us, France and Sweden, maybe maybe Chile, I'm not sure. Yeah. We're the only ones with it, I think. New Zealand, Zealand as well. New Zealand, yeah, that's New Zealand, it, yeah. yeah. Um, today, yeah. Uh, um, the, uh, the only ones with a, with a net zero target enshrined, uh, which is great. Um, and I know I said I wouldn't mention the general election, but the one <laughs> I think the one sense of unity across it all was the fact that all the parties agree that net zero is, is, is the way forward. The timelines might yeah. be different, um, the ways to get there different wildly, but I think I think that's the one I think that's the one area that could probably cross this kind of um, political bridge right now is, is the green economy, which is uh, which is great. Um, 
Luke, I, I, you know, I would have asked him. Um, he's not here. I'm sure it probably would have been something about like the Amazon rainforest fires because he loves misery apparently <laughs> and refuses to embrace Christmas spirit. No, I, I, if I was going to guess Luke's, it would probably be the thirty on the thirty. Uh, class of 2019, um, which was, you know, genuinely brilliant to be involved with and kind of get a get a sample of that energy that they had to to change sustainable business. And we've obviously got the the manifesto and the playbook launching mm. uh, in the early weeks of January. So be sure uh, to look out for that. Um, Sarah, one more thing. Can you pick a number, please, between one and nine? Uh, oh, it's still playing. Oh, that's ruined it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that was still was that still the old one that's the same oh no that's gone all the way down okay well you can't pick you can't pick seven but between one and nine but not seven six please it's called Santa on Ice excellent I'm happy with my choice that's not bad. oh I think this is better than the quite intro quite, quite a good nice Yeah, I think, you know what? Nice. Very good. Very Christmassy. Yeah, very nice. Very good. I like this. Um, right. Well, anyway, this is just so I can do the outro. Thank you all for tuning into the podcast uh, throughout this year. Um, i turn down a little bit. And if you have only just stumbled across us, uh, I feel like I need a crooner about to come in and start singing now. Yeah, do you not feel? I do yeah. feel Yeah. <laughs> hey, Christmas carols, aren't you? Great. Um, if you have only just stumbled across us, do do look for us on iTunes and Spotify and subscribe. Um, and also check out the ED website at ed.net for all the latest goings on in this area. Um, but until 2020, which isn't that long away, don't worry, uh, it's a goodbye from James. Goodbye. A goodbye from Sarah. Goodbye. And a goodbye from me. Goodbye. Goodbye.